So we were praying this morning out the back that, um, that the Holy Spirit would fill this place. I think it's fair to say he's answered that prayer this morning. Um, that was pretty amazing. So for those of you who don't know me, my name's Paul. Um, I'm married to Alice, who led us this morning. Um, we are polar opposites in one way. I don't have a musical bone in my body. Um, you know, I can't clap or tap my foot in time. I don't know which way round to hold a guitar, um, and you definitely don't want to uh, hear me sing. Um, so yeah, we are opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, so me being up here this morning, uh, this, is, this is not my comfort zone. You know, this is about as far away from my comfort zone as you can get. Uh, I describe myself as an introvert. You know, I'm, I'm at the back in the corner just taking it in and watching. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm well, well out of my, uh, my comfort zone here. So what am I going to bring to you this morning? Um, I want to share with you, first of all, a brief testimony of, of Alice and, and my story, really, how we, you know, how, I say how we met, but um, where we are in our life. Um, and the reason I want to do that this morning is just to be as an encouragement for you guys. It's not, this morning's not about Alice and I. You know, this morning is hopefully going to be an encouragement for you guys to, to do th three things. Be brave, take a risk, and then grow as a result of it. And I just want to show, you know, how God has been good in our lives over the past sort of 10 years, really. So, Alice and I, we got married 10 years ago. Um, 10, oh, 10 years ago this month. Uh, so, and uh, at the time of getting married, we both had sensible jobs, you know, with good career prospects, uh, good, you know, pensions, you know, were looking good, you know, all of those sort of things. And, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was, you know, where we were going. We had a life plan, you know, we, we, we were those people. This is what we are going to do. We are, we, we're getting married. Uh, we, we bought ourselves a house. So now we're going uh, to have children. And then, you know, the children are going to grow up and uh, they're going to be successful. And then we're going to uh, earn our pension and we're going to sit there and we're going to live off our pension. And this is, you know, that's our life plan. Um, well, we did the first part. We had the sensible careers. We had the pension. We had the house. And then the children came along. And at that point, uh, we, had a, we had a change. It was like, cool. God put it on our hearts that, that this sensible career option wasn't, it wasn't for us. Um, so we stepped away from that. And uh, I set up a small, small building company. Um, we left behind the financial security, the pension, the sick pay, the holiday pay, you know, all those nice, nice things. They all, they all went. Alice was on a career break. We had no savings. Um, so we literally went from two decent wages to nothing. Um, and we, we stepped away. And since that moment, there hasn't been a day where we've not had work. We've always paid our bills. God, you know, God has been good. So faithful to us. So, yeah, and you know, everything has everything has gone, you know, really well. There's been a few hiccups along the way, but you know, God has been faithful. So, I want to look at a character from the Bible who was a uh, was a massive, I say, risk taker and was brave. So, you look at the characters of the Bible. You could have could have chosen numerous 
characters. There's Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, we know that story well. Um, there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or as I remember them, shake the bed, make the bed, and to bed we go. Um, you know. So they were obviously in the fire, and you know they, they said, no, we're not going to bow down to your idols. We will, you know, you put us in the fire, and their faith, you know, they stepped out of that fire. They weren't even touched. David and Goliath, Peter walking on water, any of the disciples who left behind their successful fishing careers, tax collecting, you know, and just follow Jesus. We could have looked at any of those, but I've decided to look at Esther today. Um, And if you haven't read the book of Esther, um, I'd encourage you to do so. It's, uh, It's an amazing book. It reads just like a story, you know, from start to finish, the, you know, Esther's birth to, to when she passes, the whole thing is, is just, yes, yeah, it's, it's amazing. There is a bit of gore in there, and, um, you know, they like impaling people on poles, but, um, yeah, it's still a, still a good book. So I'm going to uh, just give us a verse, a, a brief summary of where we're going to start. Um, so, very briefly, Esther is an orphan, so she... Uh, Both her parents pass, and she's then brought up by someone called Mordecai. So Mordecai's a Jew, as is Esther, um, and they're living in the land of Persia, so they're not living in their their homeland. And Esther is described in in the book of Esther as an attractive attractive young lady, Um, and as a result, she ends up and is chosen to to be one of the king's wives. So she's she's now a queen living in a foreign land. But just because she's married to the king, it doesn't mean that she can uh, approach the king. She still has to be invited to go and see the king, her husband. Uh, if she approaches the king without being asked, the penalty is, is death, basically. Um, so Mordecai, Esther's stepfather, he hears of a plan um, that has been set by one of the king's top advisors. So Mordecai and Haram, uh, Haman, the top advisor, that they, they don't get on, there's a grudge there. And Haman devises a plan to say, I'm gonna wipe out all of the Jews. And he has to get the, the king's approval for this. So he goes to the king and the king says, okay, yep, I'll give you the green light for that. And then uh, Mordecai is aware of this plan and he then re- relays this plan to Esther. And so we're gonna pick up the story in Esther 4, And just looking at verses 13 to 17. So, Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this? Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. So my first point this morning is bravery. 
So as we look at, the ver at verse 13, we know that Esther is now within the king's palace. So she's an orphan, and she's got no family with her. She is, as we would describe, an alien. She is, uh, she's in a foreigner in this country. So she's the Jew living in the land which is not her own, and the Jews are slaves. They have no power in the land of Persia. And nobody there knows her true identity other than Mordecai. So she has got multiple identities. She's an orphan, she's a Jew, she's a foreigner, and she's a queen. So she has got some serious cover stories to keep up there all the time. Um, you know, she must be living on an edge. Uh, her nerves must be shredded that, you know, at any time her cover could, it could be blown. So the bravery that she's shown to get to this point in her life is just amazing. Her whole life has just been built from one brave step to the next brave step to the next brave step. And, you know, death at that time would have been impaling on a pole, um, not particularly pleasant. So she's doing all of these things, and these, these are just, this is just her backstory, really. And then she does something which we, this is what we recognize as the pinnacle of bravery, and that is putting her life on the line, and putting her life on the line for someone else, and for the her people. So if you guys are anything like me, you probably don't consider yourself to be particularly brave. You may not be into jumping out of planes or wrestling crocodiles or swimming with sharks. Or, like Alice, you may even uh, run out of the house and call the neighbors in when there's a house spider. I wasn't there, no, I was at work, yep, yep. And now we're, um, we live in the countryside now and we regularly have big fat spiders in the shower and she has got a lot braver, to be fair. Um, but I want you guys to think about things that you've been through in your life. If you don't consider yourself as brave, think about the troubles you've been through, the difficult times, the awkward situations that you've been in and you've had to get out of. Dealing with all of these is just bravery. If you're married and you hadn't been brave enough to ask your partner out on a date, you wouldn't be married now. That's just a simple step of bravery. And I believe it's, as humans, we are all inherently brave. It's something that is within us. So when we were created, at the beginning, go back to Genesis, we were created perfect, as perfect human beings without a blemish. And at that point, I don't believe we had any requirement to be brave. We had no fear. We were in charge of all of the animals on the land. And then we know what happened. The fall of man came. We sinned. And at that point, we realized how powerful animals were. What dangers were around us. And at that point, we went through a massive change. Fear, sin, and death all came into our life. But God gave us a way to defeat death by sending his son to die on the cross. And that was so that we could be restored to relationship with him. And God also gave us a way to overcome the fear that consumed us. And that was bravery. God made us brave so that we could take on changes and manage the fear that we felt. 
So when we're going through changes as a church in our personal lives, it takes brave people to stick with changes. We don't like the change and we don't like uncertainty. What we do like is comfort and familiarity. But we don't grow when we're comfortable. We don't grow with familiarity. So going back to Esther, we know that she is brave. But Mordecai then has to remind her, don't be comfortable. He says, but because you are in the palace, don't think that you will escape. This is a reminder to Esther that just because she is living a relatively comfortable life, and her cover story of these multiple identities is held up until this point, that she will be safe from execution. Her people will die, but she won't. No, Mordecai's saying, the truth will come out. Your life is at risk. Don't get too comfortable. And this is a reminder to me that, that comfort is the opposite of bravery. When we are comfortable, we are lazy. Furniture makers make comfy chairs. They make comfy beds and mattresses. We make our houses warm and comfortable. Pubs and cafes are warm, inviting places. They're designed that way so that we stay in the pub or cafe or sit on our sofa, and we stay there in those positions for as long as possible without a need to move. When we're comfortable, we don't want to be brave. We don't want to step outside into the elements. But... If we want to grow and we want to develop, we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So let's get uncomfortable and let's be brave. So the next point that I want to come on to is risk. So bravery and risk, I believe, go hand in hand. So if we look at Esther, the next part shows us not only has she been living with her brave choices, she is also a risk taker. She knows that she needs to go and speak to the king of Israel. Sorry, to the king. And she knows that she needs to reveal her true identity. And she needs to appeal to the king to save her people. So there's two risks here. One, she needs to approach the king when he hasn't asked her, risk of death. Two, the king has decreed that all the Jews will be killed. She needs to reveal her true identity, risk of death. So she devises, I say, a plan. The good thing with risk is that you can always take you can mitigate the risk, so you can reduce the risk. You still need to be brave, but that risk can be reduced. So as a kind of illustration, if you're going to climb a, a sheer rock face that's 600 foot tall, you can think, right, I'm going to go out and I'm going to climb that rock face, and you can try it. No practice, no ropes, I'm just going to try and do it. I reckon there's a 99% chance that you'll probably fall off and die. Um, alternatively, you can try and mitigate that risk by practicing. You can uh, 
be uncomfortable by going out in all conditions and looking at the rock face and trying and training and climbing. And then you can get the equipment, you can get ropes and harnesses and all these things to support you and help you with the climbing. You can then study the exact route that you're gonna take to get to the top of the climb. And finally, you can take someone along with you who will support you along that route, who's done it before, him will say, right, left foot here, right foot here, and, and help you to climb. The risk of climbing is still there. The risk of death has probably gone from 99% to 1%. You know, you have mitigated that risk massively. And Esther takes the same approach. So she knows what she is about to do is dangerous, and the risk of death is really high. And she asked Mordecai to gather all the Jews, and she asked, asked Mordecai to ask them to fast for her for three days and three nights. And she says, I will do the same with my maids. And this is to prepare herself and her mind for the risk that she's about to take. And I'd like to tell you that the Jews and Esther and her maids all spent time here praying to God and asking for his help uh, to, and for, for him to go before her when she approaches the king. However, the anomaly with the book of Esther is that it doesn't have a single mention of God, either directly or indirectly. What it does show, however, is God is involved in every aspect of Esther's life. And you can see him at work throughout the whole of the book and in everything that takes place. So why would the book of Esther be in the Bible? Well, I think it's there as an encouragement to us. When things don't seem to make sense in life, God is still there. He's working his plan through the intricacies of our life. We might not see it at the time, but he is still there. So in Esther 4, 14, this is the closest that we get to a mention of faith. And this is Mordecai, and he says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, and this is the important bit from Mordecai, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this? Mordecai here is just showing that he has a strong faith. God's not mentioned, but he is showing his strong faith and his belief that God will deliver the Jews. And he's giving, you know, Esther the kind of the elbow to say, hey, you have been put here for this reason, come on. This is the reason that you are here. So this can be an encouragement for us. We can often feel that God is nowhere in our lives. In fact, you may have walked in here today having no knowledge of God and not knowing why you are here. So I just want to tell you that you're all here because this is exactly where God wants you to be at this moment. God has a purpose and he has a plan for each and every one of you. Some of you know exactly what that plan is and some of you need a little bit of encouragement to get started. Some of you don't know for sure what you're supposed to be doing but I want to tell you that doing nothing is not an option. It's a cliche, but physically and mentally, you can't move forward by standing still. You need to take a step, and you need to be brave, and you need to take a risk. 
the one thing I can guarantee is if you take a risk and are brave, something will happen. If you're not brave, if you don't take a risk, absolutely nothing will happen. You'll stay exactly where you are. Now, that may be a good place right now. And equally, it may not be exactly where you want to be. But you are the only ones who can make that change happen. Your husband, wife, mum, dad, friends, they can't do it for you. You are the ones that need to take the step. And we don't always feel brave. But the good news is, is when we're feeling weak, this is when God can use us the most. This is when we press deep into God and ask for his strength and his help. This morning, knowing that I was coming up here, I wasn't feeling brave. And I, I tell you, I prayed the harder this morning than I have done for, for many mornings, knowing that I've got to come up and stand up here. This is when we have to rely and press into God more than ever before. So we look at Peter and John in Acts 4. I'm not going to read the passage, 23 to 31. So they'd just been released from prison, and they'd been told in no uncertain words not to preach the word. Because if they did, their fate would be worse than prison. They were scared. They prayed for bravery, and they prayed for boldness. The result was that the ground shook they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they went out and spoke with boldness and courage that came from the Holy Spirit. They prayed for change and bravery and it happened. When we are scared and when we are fearful, this is when we need to press into God. We need to ask him to be with us, to give us bravery and to take away that fear. So whilst we're on risk, I just want to say, if you have never asked God into your life, I want to tell you, there is no risk in doing this. The riskiest thing you can do is to reject God. God has mitigated the risk of death by sending his son Jesus to die. And as a result, he's offered you eternal life. All you have to do is acknowledge your sins and ask God for forgiveness. Ask him to be part of your life. And I promise you, this will be the best decision that you can ever make. Your life will be moving forward like never before. When Alice and I decided to take the risk and leave a sensible career and financial security behind, we had no idea what that change would mean for our lives. The worldly view and, and people who I was working with and Alice as well, I'm like, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing that? You've, you've only got well, another 15 years or so and you can claim your pension. What's, uh, what's, what's going on? Um, you could lose your house. You've lost your financial security. What are you going to do for retirement? And I tell you what, looking back on it now, we wouldn't be in a place we are and living where we are, had we not made those decisions and taken that risk. And our physical health, mental health, quality that we have of life that we have now is so much better than it was before. So sometimes we're brave and we take a risk and it does work out. And sometimes 
it doesn't. Sometimes we're brave and we try those doors, but the door is still closed. I just want to say, don't give up on trying. Doors open at different times in our lives. The most important thing is to be brave and take that risk. Just try that door handle. Get out of your comfort zone. God has a plan for our lives. And the plan is there for us to grasp, but we have to make the move and start that journey. We have to put in the effort and try those door handles. Okay, so my final point is about growth. So going back to Esther, as you go through the book, you'll find out what happens. But basically, over the next few chapters, we learn that Esther's risk paid off. She approached the king, and he offered her the golden scepter, which basically means, yes, you can come in, and I won't kill you. (laughs) And uh, she was then able to reveal her true identity, that she was a Jew, and she was able to appeal to the king for the safety of her people. Long story short, the Jews were saved. Mordecai's, uh, I say, arch enemy, Haman, was impaled on a pole. And that was a pole that Haman had put in place for Mordecai to die on, the irony there. Mordecai then becomes basically prime minister. So here we have a Jew who has now become prime minister in a land where he is basically a foreigner. The Jews are slaves, and yet there's a Jew who's the prime minister in that country. And then to remember Esther, the Jewish feast of Purim is created, and that's still being celebrated today. Esther had a massive legacy from that risk that she took. So the biggest lesson that I think we can take from Esther is that if we're brave and we take a risk, we will change and we will grow. So as I come to the end, can I just ask the musicians to come back up? Thank you. So I want to ask a couple of questions. Do you have a heart to see growth in the church? And if that's yes, then I want you to be brave and to take a risk. I might be invite a friend along to church or to a social event. Organize your own event or serving in new areas or getting involved in prayer meetings. If we all take a small risk, the church will grow. Do you want to experience growth in your own faith? And be brave and take a risk. Change something. Join a life group. Controversial one, change your life group. Learn from being with different groups of people. And if you've never been to West Point or Commission Festival, book yourself in. So we need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Camping is uncomfortable. And if you get stuck in at West Point and go to the meetings, I guarantee you that uncomfortable experience, you will grow from it. You will learn something. So do you want to experience faith firsthand? And if you haven't done so, be brave and ask God into your life. Our God is great. He does great things 
and he wants us to do great things. So let's be brave, take a risk, and expect great results. So I want us to be brave this morning. If you've been challenged and have a heart to be brave, take a risk and really grow. It starts now by declaring it right here. Saying I'll be brave tomorrow isn't good enough. We need to be brave today. So this is way out of my comfort zone, but I'm gonna ask us all to stand. And whilst the musicians continue to play, if you've been touched this morning or you know that you need to be brave, I want us to declare it to the Lord and I want us to declare it in an audible voice. I want us to ask for bravery. I want us to ask for change. I want us to ask for a refreshing of his spirit. Bravery starts here, right now. And then I'm going to close in prayer and we'll be led in another time of worship. Okay, let's be brave. Lord, I just pray that you would give... Lord, I just thank you for the book of Esther, Lord. We thank you for her example, Lord. We thank you that she lived a life of bravery, Lord, that she took risks, Lord, that we can learn from, Lord. And I pray that you would just give us as your church, Lord, just just fill us with bravery, Lord. Fill us with the opportunities to take risks for you, Lord, I pray. I pray that we would see your church grow as a result of the bravery and as a result of taking those risks, Lord, and that, that our lives in every aspect would grow and they would be changed, Lord, because of those risks that we take, Lord, with you at the helm, Lord, we pray. Yeah, just fill us with that bravery this morning, Lord. Amen. <laughs>